This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to the program. Radio only today. Having some tech issues with the cameras here in the uh, the broadcast center of my basement. Uh, so we're radio on podcast only. And right off the top, we have Elliot Friedman, who is uh, standing by in Winnipeg in advance of doing some interviews with uh, uh, various members of the Winnipeg Jets, I believe, where there is uh, breaking news this morning. The Pittsburgh Penguins announcing they have... Relieved Brian Burke, president of Hockey Operations, Ron Hextall, general manager, and Chris Pryor, assistant general manager, from their duties uh, as such with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Elliot, first of all, how are you? Second of all, we talked about this over the past couple of days. When Fenway Sports makes up their mind, they act quickly. Um, I've always said this is, I know it's tough one day right after the season, but I still do think, and we'll get to Anaheim and Dallas Aikens in a moment here, this is the humane thing to do. Don't drag people through some some days, if not weeks, if not months, before they find out their fate. Nonetheless, Burke, Hextall, Pryor, dismissed from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I I generally agree with you on that point, Jeff. I think that uh, if you've made made up your mind and... Uh, it was very clear here they made up their mind, then you you do it quick. And and what it allows you to do is you don't have it hanging over the people involved. You don't have it hanging over your organization. And you give people the opportunity to start working on the next phase of their life. And uh, yes. I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of that. I, I, I like that. Now, look, I don't think any of us are surprised. We're not the only people who have been talking about it for days now. Fenway goes quick, and I don't think anyone's shocked it happened today. You could see the way this was turning. Uh, there was definitely a feel if the Penguins didn't win a round of the playoffs this year, uh, there was gonna there was gonna be gonna be change. You know the way the season ended for them. I think I, I think that's the thing. Like, like I, I think it's it's not only that they didn't that they missed the playoffs. It's the shock of how they missed the playoffs. It was in their hands. They had to beat Chicago and Columbus back-to-back, and they didn't win the first game. And then, you know, I don't care about last night. Like, their season was over. It doesn't bother me at all they didn't win last night. But, I, you know, I think the shock of that, we all knew it was coming. Um, there was a crisis of consumer confidence in the market. And, you know, now we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. But... Um, I think it's going to be a job a lot of people want. There's only 32 of these. But the other thing, too, is, you know, Jeff, they announced that they have a transition team there. One of them is Alex Schall, who's the uh, AGM. Another is Eric Heasley. He runs – he's an AGM, and he also runs their AHL team. Mike Sullivan was mentioned as part of it, too. You know, we talked about yesterday – actually, I had a few texts about it, Jeff – about the fact that they're going to build out their their analytics department. I think there's a few hires coming in there. I think Shaw is the guy who's running that. And uh, at the very least, um, I think what they're trying to say is, look, we have Crosby, we have Malkin, we have Letang. As you pointed out, Malkin played 82 games. Crosby was really healthy. They missed the playoffs. So they're going to be asking, how can we build a better supporting cast? And if this year wasn't already nutty enough around Toronto, the Dubas rumors are already crazy. So it just adds another layer of insanity into our crazy NHL cake. 
<laughs> you can't just gently pull the pin and roll it into a room. There's nothing quiet about what you just said there with the the, the Kyle Dubas rumors. Um, well, it, it was I, I it was all that... over social in Pittsburgh last night. Like there's there's yeah. there's certainly look. I'll save my prediction right now. Kyle Dubas is going to be in Toronto. That is my prediction. Uh, until I'm proven wrong, I'm going with that. But that doesn't mean. But that but, that doesn't mean that it, it isn't going to be out there. That's what we do. We stir up crap. No, I get it. I get, and then and then walk away. You know, uh, walk away Beyonce style as everything <laughs> burns behind us, and we yeah. got the long flowing locks. Um, he, the interesting thing about that is too. I mean, that would fit the type of person that Fenway Sports likes to work with. And again, yeah. one of the things we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks here, that we can't lose sight of. This isn't like Mario Lemieux owns his team anymore, and it's you know Malkin's going to retire a Penguin and Crosby's here, and these are all decisions that are made by someone who's in the Hall of Fame and one of the greatest players of all time who just happened to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. This is Fenway Sports, and this is a very corporate place, and they like things like weekly reports, and they like things like evidence, yep. and they like yep. things like you know measure, measuring, measuring their business in very specific ways. I mean, it isn't as if it wouldn't make sense for them to covet someone like Kyle Dubas. Like, I- I'm with you. I think that at the end of it, I know there was a lot of, there has been a lot of discussion about it. I still do think Dubas remains with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But um, if he does shake free, that would fit the hiring pattern of how Fenway Sports conducts business. That that makes sense. Uh, I, I do. I agree with you on that, Jeff. I, I, I completely, and I think that's why the rumors are out there, right? Like, um you know, it's, I, I think, like, look, like, you know, someone said to me this morning that, um, you know, when the, the thing that we talked about yesterday about the, about the analytics department that Pittsburgh wants to put together, it went a little bit viral and it kind of traveled around and then people kind of put two and two together. And, you know, last night, you know, Mark Madden, who's a pretty popular radio guy in Pittsburgh, he's tweeting about it. Like, that's how social media starts like a, a like a four alarm blaze, right? Like that's the world we live in. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but it's like internet fodder. Like that's, you know, that's the thing. Like we don't know how long Toronto's going to play, but we know the Pittsburgh search is underway. So the people in Pittsburgh, they're going to be talking about this stuff, and it it doesn't stay local anymore. It's just it, it's just the way life is, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I I I think, and it's going to be the way life is until we know what uh, Dubis's future is going to be, but. Like I said, if I'm putting money down, I'm putting money down on he's in Toronto. You know, uh, Brad True Living is someone whose contract is expiring. We've talked a lot about uh, the Calgary Flames general manager. We'll see where everything uh, ends up here. But w- I think one of the questions now, um, you know, we kind of want, to be honest with you, Fridge, we wondered about this when Brian Burke and when Ron Hextall were hired by the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is after the exit uh, of Jim Rutherford. Um, the direction of the Penguins, because right around that time, there was some belief that, okay, they'd taken this to the what they thought was the end of the road with this group, and maybe it was time to restock the cupboards, and we heard things like draft capital and prospect capital and how important a team like the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins would be for the organization, but then things changed, and all of a sudden it was, let's reload and, and make it to the playoffs and see if we can do some damage here. Do you think, and again, it's just hypothetical, you know, you and I Mm -hmm. talking on a Friday afternoon, 
Do you think there's any chance they revisit what the Penguins' strategy is now? Or is it we've cast our lot once again with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Rust, etc., so we're still in go-for-it mode with this squad? I, I have to say that my... I have to say that my feelings on this is, and the fact that they're kind of going down the road that we're talking about here, I I think that they want to see if there's a better way they can build around them. Like if you look at the Penguins this year, you know they weren't they they weren't fast. Um, they they got pushed around a lot. I think like you know someone said to me like. They, they'd, they'd seen Burke in press boxes recently, like just upset at how the team was getting physically dominated. And yeah. I mean, you know, Burke, like that's exactly yeah. the kind of thing that would drive crazy. So I think what they're going to do is, I think the first thing to ask before you take the drastic Jeff Merrick step is you say, can we build a better team around them? And I think that's my guess is that's going to be the first. Like I just don't think you do what you did last summer and then give up after a year. I think you you say, okay, can we build a better automobile? And I think that's what you know. They, they don't want to. They, they they don't want it to. They, they, I think that's what they want to do. I think they want to see if they can build a better car first. That'll be really hard. <laughs> Like I know they have some cap space to play with here, but mm-hmm. that's a that's that really does sound like a really tall order. I, I know when you're doing things like you know putting together a more sophisticated and and broader analytics department, what you're looking for is you know players that other teams have missed on, looking for efficiencies down the lineup, looking for value contracts, and players that are in situations where. They can't, like, you look for like the next Vince Dunn. Oh, can't really make it except for a bottom pairing D situation with the St. Louis Blues. And now he's a top pairing D in Seattle and he's going to get some Norris trophy love. He's not going to win it, but he's at least going to be on some, on some ballots here. I think that's what you start looking for. That's really hard. And yeah. I think when you're, when you're looking to do as heavy a lift as what is proposed for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't know that it's just a, a one-year process and the Penguins spin right back around with all those guys getting one year older and they're marching back to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like this is a this is a really sensitive, delicate walk here because it's not like Crosby, Malkin, Latang are getting any younger. Latang's 35, Crosby's 35, and Malkin's 36. This is a tricky walk here for whoever goes in. Yes, uh, yes, it is, and. You know what, Jeff? I think it's about. I think it's like, look, you sign Malkin for what? And Latang for what? Five years? Now you only have Crosby for a couple more under contract, and we'll see what he decides to do. Um, but, you know, when you have that, you do have a little bit of time. Like, to me, it's about process, it's about how you get it better. And. And how you begin to say we make a little bit of improvement. And to be honest, like, you know, Jeff, a little bit of improvement for them gets them back into the playoffs. Now, I think Ottawa's going to be better. I think Buffalo's really good. Uh, I think that 
know, some of the teams that have kind of been doormatty in the Eastern Conference are getting up and starting to rise. That's going to make it even more challenging for Pittsburgh. But mm-hmm. but I just think it's about what, what what this says to me about the Penguins is they just want to change the way they do things, and that's going to be uppermost in their conversation. Did they just become the most interesting team in the off season? We've talked about the Washington Capitals and their decisions, but did Pittsburgh just become the most interesting team to follow this offseason? I think there's going to be a few contenders for that. Um, I really, I, I, I'm trying to decide. Washington, Pittsburgh, well, whoever gets Bedard. I, I mean, the, the yeah. biggest day on the calendar year is May 8th, right? Like, that's the Bedard mm-hmm. lottery. I think San Jose could be really interesting. Like, look, like we're still waiting for some clarity about a team in Southern Alberta. Yep. You know, like the Flames could be one of the most interesting teams this off season. Um, you know, yes. there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of contenders for this, Jeff. <laughs> like this UFC division has no clear cut favorite. <laughs> That's true. There's uh, there's no undisputed champion in this one. Um, okay, so that that search will, uh, as the Penguins mentioned on their Twitter feed, um, begin immediately to replace Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, and Chris Pryor. Um, the other bit of news: uh, the Anaheim Ducks uh, will not renew the contract of Dallas Eakins. He was on the expiring contract, uh, so he will seek employment elsewhere, and they will seek a new coach. I know this happens. And I think we could all see this one coming uh, a mile away when he signed the uh, the one-year contract extension with the new general manager. Uh, this was going to be a, a an Anaheim Ducks team that wasn't designed to compete. This is a team that's rebuilding. Listen, you mentioned May 8th, landing Connor Bedard speeds that up quickly. Uh, but this was going to be about, you know, uh, developing McTavish and Zegras and unfortunate what happened to Jamie Drysdale. Um, and what what he missed this season. But this was going to be about, you know, the post-Ryan Getzlaff Anaheim Ducks. This was going to be season one. This was all going to be about development. Uh, The new general manager came in last year um, looking to populate with, quote-unquote, his people. Dallas Aikens, the casualty of that. He will not be renewed. Your thoughts on the Anaheim situation? Well, I have to say I was... I was a little bit surprised. I think most people who say to me that they're not surprised at the chain go, well, it's been four years and, and, and maybe that's it. But to, to be honest, I, I, and also like you, you can tell for probably wants his own people. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I kind of got the impression listening to her talk at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. And, you know, about we're building towards the future and, you know, I, uh, Troy Terry, like, in the last two years, the opinion of him has has really changed on people. You know, McTavish, um, he's going to be – I think he's gotten a little bit ignored this year in the rookie of the year conversation. He already had a really strong base. We've seen that in junior hockey, but uh, oh, yeah. I liked what I saw of him this year. I mean, Zegers, he's a polarizing guy, but there's no question that that, that guy's a player. So I kind of thought when you looked at the when you looked at the situation there that it was you know that maybe the growth of the young players might save them. 
Now, the other thing, and you and I have talked about that, is what may be happening at the AHL level, and we'll see if this comes true. So they hired Roy Sommer this year to run the Gulls, and yep. or are they the Gulls or the Ducks now? I can't even remember their their name, but um, but they brought him in. He's the winningest coach uh, in AHL history. They brought him in for a year, and the reason is that it's believed that Verbeek has interest. And a young man named Matt McElveen, who's coaching in Austria right now, to come in and coach the AHL next year. And the belief is that Verbeek's a big fan of his and sees him in the future as the as the as like the long-term Ducks coach. And mm-hmm. you know, like I had a couple of coaches talk to me about that, and they were kind of like saying they thought that maybe that would also mean Aiken stays there as long as they feel McElveen needs to to coach in the A. But you know, obviously Verbeek felt differently. Um, you know, I, um, but, you know, I was a little bit surprised because he talked about development this year and I thought some of their young players developed really well. Um, absolutely. I'm, I'm bang on with you about, uh, about Mason McTavish. I think that, you know, th- this is, I mean, again, the wild card is Connor Bedard, but they look set down the middle for a number of years here between Mason McTavish, uh, Trevor Zegras, and, and Isaac Lindstrom looks like a really solid yes. line center. So the table seems... The beginnings of this resetting of the Anaheim Ducks table um, is there. Um, unfortunately for Dallas Akins, he won't be there to go, you know, root to the fruit, uh, as we like to say. But we'll see where they end up going with their next uh, with their next head coach. Okay, um, to the conversations we thought we were going to have today. Some playoff matchups yeah. are still wow. up for grabs. Top spot in the Central is uh, is still very much up for grabs, and. <laughs> Because you know I'm gonna I'm gonna mention stuff like this, so I got a um, let me find it here. I got a tweet from someone. Uh, I can't remember where I put it. Um, essentially, essentially saying that considering Nashville is playing tonight, okay, so yeah. it's Colorado and Nashville. It is the final game of the NHL season. Now Nashville yeah. played in the first game of the NHL season, Global Series in Prague, October seventh. Oh, yeah. A four-to-one win against the San Jose Sharks. Kiefer Sherwood scored the first goal of this season, uh, and it would be fitting if Kiefer Sherwood scored the last goal of the mm. season tonight. No matter, I don't know that this has ever happened. Maybe it did back in like the '30s and the '40s and the '50s or whenever when the the league was, you know, at times six, at times four. Uh, but I just thought that would be a nice little bit of poetry, and I unfortunately can't find the person that tweeted that to me, but it's a great uh, point. But up for grabs here, the Colorado Avalanche looking for top spot in the Central. Uh, they beat Nashville. They grab top spot. But if it's only a point, then Dallas gets it because they have the tiebreaker. So there's still, Elliot, something up for grabs here this evening. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, it kind of reminded me what I was thinking last night when Chase went in on the breakaway like, remember, he scored in his first shot in the NHL. I was kind of thinking, does he score in his first and his last shot in the NHL? Mm. Like, never mind Jeff just in the season. That's kids' games. Like, you really <laughs> want a record? Yeah, that's good. That's good. You, you that's really good. want that's... a record to talk about that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen. Um, you know, I... Like, what do you think? If you were Colorado tonight, would you would you dress everyone? If I'm Colorado, yeah. I so what what you're saying is, do you want top spot? 
Well, the thing is, is you've, you've already lost. The other reason I'm saying I'm saying this, Jeff, is who do you like, want, Seattle or lost, Minnesota? Well, it's also you've already lost Landeskog, right? Mm-hmm. That's the other reason I'm thinking it. Like I, you've already lost Landeskog. Really disappointing, by the way. And, and it was interesting to hear him talk yesterday. Like this yeah. injury is a lot more serious than I think a lot of us realize. That he's talked, you know, he said he'll come back, but he also pointed out he's not sure he's going to be ready for the beginning of next year. Um, but like, you know, I look at like it's it's not only about finishing and who you're playing against, but you already know you're going into the playoffs a man short, and not just any man, but a Herculean specimen, like a, a really key part of your team, right? And they're still yeah. really good. I I would almost look at it like we're already one player down. I might play. I, I might just say we play who we play, and I just want to. I want to bubble wrap some people. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. You pre- you present it that way. That makes a lot of sense. Eyes on the bigger prize, and it's not as if the Minnesota Wild aren't wounded themselves heading yeah. in, heading into this one too. But I, you know, underestimate the Minnesota Wild at your own peril. Yeah, um, is what I yeah, always no, say. Okay. No question about it. Uh, a couple of things I want to get to you about a, a team that I really feel, at least on this show, Elliot, and this is this is all on me, and I, I will I will fall on the sword on this one. I don't think I've spent enough time on this program talking about the Los Angeles Kings. A lot of other teams, I mean, mainly it's primarily a, a Canadian-based uh, programs. We talk a lot about the Canadian teams, a lot of American teams. That we, listen, we followed plenty of the Philadelphia Flyers saga this year, and lately it's been about the Pittsburgh Penguins, etc. I don't know that I've given enough concert to what's happened with the Los Angeles Kings. So let me get your thoughts on a couple of things here. So I got a couple of uh, a couple of tweets last night. One is a really interesting one. Um, Anse Kopitar, who scored last night, uh, will lead the Kings in scoring for the fifth straight season and, listen to this one, 15th time in the last 16 years. Kopitar and Gordy Howe was 17 are the only players who have led a franchise in scoring for at least 15 seasons. That's remarkable. Wow. That is, like, that is I, when I, and I, I checked it with our group I, with Steve Fallon. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Kopitar and Gordie Howe, the only players who have led a franchise in scoring for at least 15 seasons. The other one is uh, Adrian Kempe. We talk about Braden Point scoring the, the quietest 50 goals in the NHL, and he, he hit that mark. But how about Adrian Kempe with goals number 39, 40, and 41 yesterday? And um, as I was reminded online, uh, Kempe's hat trick puts him over 40. The first 40-goal scorer for the Los Angeles Kings going back to Luke Robitaille, 93-94. Really? It sounds wrong. <laughs> but then when you think about it, well, who else would have done it? Anyway, you know, you know, I haven't, you know the first. Guy I haven't given enough contact of? to LA. Who's that? The first guy I thought of that would have scored uh, forty goals, and I'm just checking. He to got thirty-eight. No, he got to thirty-eight once, and he got no thirty-eight Gabrick. once, and he got to no, not by then. Jeez, thirty-eight once and thirty-seven, and it's before those guys, Ziggy Palfy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm just checking his DV because he scored 43 in a row in New York, and he ended up, and he had, in, in L.A., it was 20, 27, 38, 32, 37, and 16. 
when he was limited to 35 games. Hmm. Wild, hey? Like, I, I know that yeah. when, it, when it comes to Los Angeles, we've tended to focus on, well, they're playing the Oilers, so let's talk about the Oilers. I don't know that we've given enough attention uh, to the Kings here, who have had a real good season. Like, remember last year we were talking about L.A., and we said, okay, that's great that the Los Angeles Kings made it in, but one of the main reasons is the Vegas Golden Knights were so banged up. Yeah, Can they do and- it again? Well, you know what? They did it again. Yeah, they they definitely did again, and you know that's going to be like that's an underrated rivalry right now. Like those two Big teams time. do not like each other. That's going to be a nasty, nasty, nasty series. It's going to be nasty lovely, series. Lovely series. Um, a couple more things I want to get to you here with um, before we wrap up today. Uh, you mentioned Gabriel Landeskog out of the playoffs. That's an absolute killer. Uh, everyone, the league is always better when Landeskog is in it. You know my love for the uh, the Swedish captain. Yeah, you know he, he's Avalanche. your man crush. He's your man I, crush. I got he's I got a few, but he's he might be top of the list. Um, yeah, he's up you know there. There's, yeah, there's there's another guy that I've enjoyed and we all have for 20 years, and it was beautiful watching him on the ice yesterday. It was beautiful watching him uh, embrace his family after the game yesterday as well. Craig Anderson, as the Buffalo Sabres beat the Ottawa Senators 4-3 to in overtime. Thank you, Casey Middlestat. Say Buffalo Sabres fans everywhere. 20-season NHL career coming to an end. Don Granato spoke beautifully about Anderson post-game as well. Everybody spoke beautifully about Craig Anderson. Do you have a thought on someone who was, when I talk to people in the goalie fraternity, always say to me, the one thing that Anderson may have been better than most at when he played is anticipating shots. That was the one thing that Anderson, where Anderson really distinguished himself amongst netminders. Anyhow, beautiful seeing him, Nicole, the kids last night. Do you have a thought on the career of Craig Anderson? Well, you know what? I I, I have to say this. Um, I think the Sabres fans, and I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen Buffalo in the playoffs. You know, absolutely. Um, the only reason I'm glad Buffalo didn't make it was we got to see that last night. Because if that game mm. means something for Buffalo last night, Anderson's not playing. And so the only silver lining I see in the Sabres uh, not making it is is we see that. And, uh, you know, I thought it was awesome. I was flying last night, so I saw the video when I landed. And it was it was really nice. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, life doesn't, we don't always get to call our shots and life rarely works out the way we all want it to, to work out. But that's one that worked out. Like Craig Anderson got the call his shot. He got that last, uh, he got that last opportunity. You know, both, you could see the love that both teams have for him. I mean, I thought it yep. was hilarious when, when Middlestad scored and he's like celebrating the goal. He's like, hey, hey wait a sec, where is everyone? Where's everyone? We're all going to Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just funny. Like you can see how somebody in the excitement of the moment kind of forgets. Oh, wait, wait a sec. Yeah, we're supposed to go over there, and yeah. uh, it's just it's just funny. But you know, it worked out that way for him. And uh, you know, I was really I was really happy to see that. Um, you know, I it, 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 look. It's that, that, and you know, we shouldn't forget. You mentioned the one game tonight. The the, the one game tonight that Nashville. Uh, Colorado game, like that Buffalo-Columbus game, that's going to determine the number two odds for the lottery. Like Anaheim's locked up number one. Columbus, if they get a point, they fall to third. So it'll it'll be interesting. Like 
In, in, I, I think John Butcher-Gross is hilarious. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the way he approaches his job, and I'm watching yeah. him last night, like, just ripping the Blue Jackets as they find a way to win the game. <laughs> I, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. Uh, what do you think this one looks like, then? Well, you know, Don Granato said last night that uh, Tage Thompson isn't going to play. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. Um, like, Columbus, those guys go hard. Like, they do. Like, it's really funny watching. Like, teams play hard. Like, Nashville played hard. Like, everybody thought they were going to fall, and they did great. I mean, we all know how, uh, like, some of the Canucks fans feel about the way they finished their year. And, you know, mm-hmm. last night I saw... Like the like, there was some. I saw some Blue Jackets fans. They did not like watching them, uh, you know, come from behind. I I joked on the podcast uh, this morning that we're just you know we have to edit because everything's changing. Um, <laughs> that when Taze went on the breakaway in overtime, I was surprised Kyle Davidson didn't jump out of the press box and make the save. Um, and like that was one of the wildest things for me last night. Like all these teams are tanking for a better pick. And they're all playing hard. Like, they're all winning games, except for Anaheim. Like, they, they did what they needed to do. But it was, it was wild watching that last night. What do we always say? We, you can't tell players to tank. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like, when, when, when you're on the ice, like, it's like anything else. Like even in, we've seen this at, uh, even just go to, like, pickup games, right, with, with established hockey players. It may just be a friendly to start, but by the time the third period rolls around, doesn't even have to be anything on the line. And players compete hard. Uh, real quick, um, the matchups that we know so far, Boston, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, Islanders, uh, Devils, Rangers, Juicy, Vegas, Winnipeg, yeah. Edmonton, L.A. You are in Winnipeg right now uh, as we speak. Your thoughts, well, first of all, what are you doing? And second of all, your thoughts on the Vegas-Winnipeg series, the Laurent Boissois series. Well, uh, I'm. Uh, we're just taping some stuff for the Jets for their playoffs. Actually, I was a bit surprised that they were in Colorado last night. I wondered if they would, you know, go directly to Vegas or go directly to Edmonton, but they came home for a night, and I think they're they're going to practice tomorrow and then leave. Um, so we're, we're taping some stuff with the Jets. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great matchups there. There, there really are. I mean, that I think that Toronto. Tampa series is going to be crazy. I think the like I'm, I'm looking forward to four to seven games of Matthew Kachuk and and uh, <laughs> Brad Marchand getting getting oh, introduced yeah. to each other. Uh, I you know obviously New, New Jersey, New York. That's that's huge for a lot of reasons. You know as as you talked about, um, L.A. Edmonton's a really underrated rivalry. Um, you know I I think you know the first round of the playoffs to me are the best. Um, it's, it's uh, the yeah. second round always feels like a little bit of a, you know, like a come down and just because the first round is so crazy and I, I can't wait for it to start. I'm, I'm so excited for it. You have no idea. Uh, agreed. And uh, Brian Burke, by the way, has uh, tweeted out about 20 minutes ago, um, quote, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have worked in this passionate sports town. Thank you to FSG. Mario Lemieux, David Morehouse, management and coaches, and especially to our great group of players. Best of luck to the Penguins and their incredible fan base in the future. To which I say, more hey, Berkeys? <laughs> well, uh, he can take your airtime, not mine. <laughs> 
Very good. Already get it. I know you miss, you know, uh, Bricky walking off the set and thanking everybody except for you. <laughs> there's a, there's a part I, I am looking forward that. to that. I, there is a big part of me that misses that, actually. Absolutely. All right. Uh, class act uh, as he exits Pittsburgh, Brian Burke. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for each. Enjoy your time in Manitoba. We'll check back soon. We have a playoff uh, preview podcast to record sometime this weekend, so we'll get at that. All right, buddy. Take care. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. So-